This is Tech Talk with your host, Tom DiOria. Tom will spend the next hour making your life with technology a little easier with explanations of the different aspects of today's technology and how it can benefit your home, small office, or enterprise. Now here's your host, Tom DiOria. Welcome to IMI Tech Talk. It's the second Sunday of October. It's October 12, 2014. It's the Columbus Day weekend. Uh, except in those strange cities where they've decided it's Indigenous People Day. We won't get into that. Uh, it's 6 p.m. in the New York listing area and 3 p.m. in Arizona. And today we're live from our New York offices. And we're going to be discussing an interesting topic, improving government through technology and the web. And our guest is uh, Joe Curran. I'm Tom DiOria. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated, and together with our weekly guest, our show will help our listeners, whether a business or home technology user, make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you with a review of last week's most significant, significant events in technology. We start with the increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this with an industry-wide report, which could contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software or equipment, or new contract opportunities. One of our guests followed us from many aspects of business and industry, and if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions to Tech Talk. That's T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K at I-M-I us.com. We'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime after our show introduction, please give us a call or send an email message with questions on today's topic or anything else that we might be able to help you with. You can call 277-KFNX, that's 277-5369. And if you're outside the 602 listing area, call us toll-free at 1-866-536-1100. You can send us email questions throughout the show at that email address I just gave you, techtalk at imi-us.com. And if you want to listen to us live and you can't get to your radio, we're being simulcast on the web. So you can tune into KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. And if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, you can go to our website, which is imi-us.com. In the upper right-hand corner is the Tech Talk button. Click on that. All the shows are archived. You can download them, send them to your friends. Listen to them as many times as you want. It's free, so take advantage of that. And please call in any time during our show, and we'll try and get you on as quickly as possible. First segment, so we can review us, your increased coverage of New York technology events in New York City and around the world. It's compiled by Dave Brandon, Jose Batista, and Dan Dioria. Okay, if you're a New York City resident, can now get their own NYC.NYC domain. Uh, New York City announced last year that its residents, including businesses and government entities, would be able to get a custom domain to match the place they call home, something London has done as well. With the first two phases of the rollout now complete, which gives first dibs to city officials and trademark owners, it's finally time for the general availability of top-level domains for New York City. In order to qualify, you need to show proof that you live in one of the five boroughs. To make things easier, NYC teamed up with over 50 registrars. Among them are GoDaddy, NetworkSolutionsDomain.com, and Name.com, with prices per domain ranging anywhere from $25 to $50. They're on a first-come, first-served basis, however, so hurry if you're interested. Okay, um, let's see. Bill Goldberg, one of our favorite guests, sent us something here called StaySafeOnline.org. It's National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, 
So get involved and do your part to make the Internet safer and more secure in everyone. This year's uh, National Cyber Awareness Month theme is Our Shared Responsibility. If you go to their website, staysafeonline.org, tells you about it, uh, how to promote it, get involved, champions, events, um, and you can download tip sheets. So we suggest that. Uh, keep your kids safe. Keep everybody safe. Um, pediatricians being tra- uh, bring tracking of illness at child care centers online, packed with small kids who may have uh, yet to make habits of covering their mouths when they sneeze or cough or washing their little germy hands. I don't know how teachers do it. A daycare can serve as ground zero for infectious diseases like influenza. Now a team of pediatricians is trying to improve reports of illnesses in child care centers by replacing pen and paper reporting with a more nimble online illness tracker. By more quickly collecting and disseminating information about what makes kids sick, the researchers hope to help child care providers identify diseases and stem their spread. This is, by the way, from myEEE.org. Um, researchers from Kalamazoo College and Medical College of Wisconsin um, enrolled four child care centers in uh, Washita County, Michigan, in four-month pilot study examining the effectiveness of an online system for reporting and tracking illnesses in about 600 preschool-aged kids. So uh, if you're interested in that, I suggest you go to the IEEE.org, and I'll tell you all about that. Maybe you can get it at a school near you. And uh, I think this is from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Play the fitness tracker field to tally how much you exercise each day. You need to have to wear a single gizmo all the time. Now you've got options. Once upon a time, using fitness tracker to monitor the number of steps you take or hours you sleep was not an undertaking to approach lightly because the point of wearing these gadgets is to get credit for your energy, physical exertion, uh, whether a 60-minute beach body class or a 30-second walk to the fridge. You pretty uh, much had to wear the same device from morning to night, even if the gizmo that uh, perfect for the gym was too sporty for the office. So Apple's health app, which is uh, now new, you get it automatically on the iPhone 6, feature of iOS 8, um, all that has changed. And now it's allowed data collection by the apps of a range of health gadgets, uh, counting bracelets to glucose monitors to view in uh, one place uh, on the iPhone or iPhone Touch, even if those gadgets are from different manufacturers. So I suggest you go take a look at this article. It talks about the Jawbone UP24 bracelet is compatible with a wide range of apps and devices from sleep sofa to thermostats, and it's available in three sizes. A wide range of accessories allow you to wear the misfit flash in a myriad of ways on your wrist, clipped to your waist, hanging as a necklace, or even tucked into a sock with a hidden pocket. With the OLED screen that displays smartphone notifications, the Garmin Vivo Smart borders on smartwatch territory but maintains the slender profile of a fitness tracker. And finally, in addition to counting steps taken, stairs climbed, and hours slept, the WithThings Plus O2 reads your heart rate and blood oxygen level using a fingertip scanner on the back. Okay. Just a few weeks ago, Yelp 
earn court permission to charge businesses rating for money, make use of tells us. For those who are already privy to Yelp's alleged shady practices, this could come as no surprise. If this is news to you, however, then there's a crash course on the questionable reputation of Yelp. The story is always the same. Yelp approaches a business and asks if they want to advertise with Yelp for a modest price. If the business declines, Yelp pursues them with more aggression. If the business still declines, their Yelp rating plummets as their four- and five-star reviews become filtered for no apparent reason. Not surprisingly, the story also flows the other way. Yelp approaches a business and asks if they want to advertise with Yelp for a modest price. If the business accepts, they pay the fees. Coincidentally, they begin receiving good reviews that boost their ratings while having poor reviews filtered out. Okay. So, that's a little education process. Consumer Affairs tells us that AT&T Wireless will pay $105 million to settle federal and state charges that it billed customers hundreds of millions of dollars in bogus charges for horoscopes, other uh, effluvia that the customers had not ordered. Uh, that's a practice known as cramming. It is, in its complaint, the FTC alleges that AT&T kept at least 35% of the charges it imposed on the customers. The lion's share of the payment, $80 million, will go to the Federal Trade Commission to provide refunds to consumers. Another $20 million in penalties is being paid to the 50 states and the District of Columbia, and $5 million is going to a fine imposed by the Federal Communications Commission. In a statement, AT&T said... Other companies also offered third-party billing and said it had rigorous protections in place to guard consumers against unauthorized billing, but discontinues third-party billing billing last year. Okay, so keep an eye out for your uh, refund. And finally, uh, New York City officials uh, have ordered the removal of a controversial system of advertising beacons that were in the process of being installed in Manhattan phone booths after critics began lashing out at due to privacy concerns. The system was being installed on outdoor media company Titan, which already sells advertising space in some 5,000 telephone kiosks throughout the city. But critics bashed the project that reports began servicing that small transmitter beacons were being installed to deliver or push ad messages to nearby smartphones using Bluetooth. That's not nice. Some 500 of the small transmitters, which are also called beacons, have already been installed throughout Manhattan when the project was scuttled. Critics say the problem is that the resulting signals could also be used to track the movements of phones. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to get to our guests. We're going to talk to you about improving government through technology and the web. Please stay tuned. This is uh, Tom DiOrio. We're on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100, and it's the 14th, it's the 12th of October 2014. Please stay tuned. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Dioria. It's the 12th of October, 2014. And um, we're going to get to our guest and talk to you about improving government through technology uh, and the web. But we wanted to uh, tell you about a couple of other things we didn't get to in the work and review, the week in review. Um, this is from today.com. An Austrian man's desperate attempt to unload his Detroit investment property found a happy ending this week with a sale and an iPhone 6. Andreas Gindelhuber bought a $41,000 foreclosure on Detroit in 2010, hoping to make money on the rental property, silly boy. But the Detroit market continued to plummet, 
and home values on his street only worsened as neighbors walked away from their houses. When Gidenville Huber's tenants left seven months ago, he owed $6,000 in county property tax. He hired a local agent to sell the house. Their rock-bottom price of $3,000 found no takers after four months, so he had a brainstorm. Gidenville Huber decided he'd be willing to tr- uh, be willing to trade his home for an iPhone 6 or an iPad. Um, the three-bedroom colonial property is smoke-damaged, missing all its doors and windows, and carries a 6000 tax bill. Uh, so they added the iPhone to the listing, and what happened next? One of those Internet miracles. The local Fox affiliate spotted the listing on Zillow and did a story on the iPhone swap. The listing went viral, and the house sold. Uh, so how about that? See, that's amazing. Okay, I had to tell you that because uh, my producer wanted me to. And now we're going to get to our guest. Um, and you have to bear with me for uh, one more second here. As I said, we're going to talk about um, um, improving government through technology. And our guest guest is uh, Joel Curran. And uh, Joel, thanks for taking the time to be with us. We uh, really appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, let's see. I don't know where to start here. I mean, we've been working with the government, the city of New York, and state and local governments for a long time, and I'd love to hear how you improve government through technology and the web. So let's start with talking about uh, open data, what that is, and then we can get to how that can help. Yeah, sure. So, um no, happy happy to uh, happy to talk about it. So I've been working uh, for a while on uh, this whole thing called open data, which is basically um, figuring out how to take data that government agencies may have, that others may have, and make it available for the public to use. So you know, just take a simple example. Uh, government has a lot of information on which hospitals are the most safe to go to. If you have that information, you've got a much better chance of getting the treatment you need, not getting a hospital-acquired infection, and uh, basically having a good result if you need surgery or some other kind of treatment. So, um, you know, part of the role of government is to help people make those kinds of decisions, and the more we can get that kind of information out there as open data, the easier it will be for consumers to do. Well, that's that's interesting. So is this something that, Entrepreneurs can now uh, start to use to, uh, um, I guess, bring that information to the consumer, or do you expect the consumer to go directly to it? No, I think it's it's really we're going to see a lot of companies acting as uh, the middleman. I mean, it's one thing to know that the government has this kind of data available. It's very, very different to actually know how to get at it and what to do with it. So you're seeing a lot of companies springing up now in areas like healthcare, energy, finance, uh, many, many different areas where their job is really to take that kind of data and make it much more useful and much more um, uh, approachable for individuals. So is this something that only applies to entrepreneurs, or is this something that existing businesses uh, can also use to help improve them? Yeah, it definitely can be uh, used by existing businesses. I mean, take, uh, take for example, you know, GPS data. I mean, we're all so used to using that now that we don't even think of it as uh, 
anything special, but in fact it's a very, very large set of data that ultimately comes from the government and that your tax dollars have really helped to uh, collect in the first place. So a number of uh, companies like uh, UPS, for example, is now finding new ways that they can use uh, this kind of data to make their routes more efficient, uh, figure out how to get their drivers to the right place at the right time, and just sort of generally um, make uh, their whole business run better uh, than it has before. Now, is this something that's relatively new, or has open data been around for a while? Well, what's new about it, I mean, if you think about it, you can go back to, like, census data from hundreds or even probably thousands of years ago. I mean, there's always been... There's always been different kinds of data available on the about the population, about the weather, about you know all about the stock market, all kinds of things. I mean, in a sense, that's all open data. What's different now is that this stuff is available electronically, and it's available in ways that make it possible to analyze differently, to combine it with different kinds of data, you know, just generally to um, make it a much, much more powerful resource than it would be if you were just going through thousands of pieces of paper. So it's not just so much about the information, it's about having it in a form where you can really use it much more effectively. And of course, with the web, um, it's possible for us to just download this kind of information in any number of ways from any number of sources. So you see this as a um, real opportunity for the regular citizen to uh, enhance not only um, their their lives but also enhance their ability to uh, you know understand how how government works. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I would say there's there's probably uh, you know kind of. Uh, Kind of two uh, two kinds of um, of uh, data that you can get from the government. I mean, one is stuff that the government collects about things like hospitals or the weather or scientific data. But the other part is information about how the government itself actually works. So this is data about spending. It's data about you know how your tax dollars are spent, how uh, what departments uh, spend the most under what kinds of circumstances, and so on and so forth. And there's actually a lot of move now to um, in Congress and uh, in the government to figure out how to make that kind of data much more useful and much more accessible to people so that government's more accountable overall. Now, Joel, New York City is, is I guess, under Bloomberg, started to open up their data. Um, can you give us some examples of companies using open data in the city? Sure. Um, I mean, there's a couple that just sort of come to mind, and you know, New York City has done uh, has done a lot to, to open its data up. There was a competition recently that I helped uh, judge called the Big Apps Competition, um, which is all about taking New York City data and figuring out how to uh, make it more useful. So, a couple of the companies I remember from uh, that competition. One was all about how to how to figuring out how to connect people very quickly with first responders, right? So it's like instead of uh, if you're in an emergency, you don't have to wonder whether to call the fire department or the police or an ambulance. It's like all there on your smartphone. You just kind of um, push uh, or click uh, on an icon and all of a sudden, you know, you're connected with the right department, which has, sends your GPS coordinates and can even send a photo of whatever's going on. So, you know, this is something that could be very, very useful for 
city services, which would pay to uh, to use it. Another one uh, is for small businesses. Um, this is a new app that you can use if you run a small business, and it'll tell you about street closures. It'll tell you about any kind of crime that's been in the neighborhood, about any number of factors that might really affect your business and that you have to adjust to if you want your business to do well. So, um, and there's a number uh, that are using health data, that are using financial data, all kinds of data that's available from the city now that uh, can be very, very useful when people start experimenting with it. Um, yeah, I'd like to talk about that uh, maybe when we come back from the break in a little bit more detail. Um, tell us about um, that competition and is, whether or not uh, it's uh, – was a one-time thing, or is that something that uh, uh, is done every year by the city? Sure. I'd uh, be happy to. Yeah, we've got about a minute left, so maybe you can just tell us uh, how people get involved with that competition. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what the web address is, but if you just Google Big Apps Competition, um, you should be able to uh, find it pretty easily. The competition for this year is done, uh, but, uh, you know, it's a great kind of event. Uh, they hold it at a huge sort of formal industrial space, former industrial space in Brooklyn, and I think they're planning to do it every year, and they gear up months ahead of time. So I, w I would definitely go online, see what you can find out, and if you're interested, uh, wait for the next opportunity, uh, which should come uh, starting in a few months. Okay. Uh Probably go to nyc.gov and uh, hunt right. around for, for yep. the conference. We're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to continue and talk to you more about improving uh, government through technology and the web. This is Tom DiOrio. We're live on IMI's Tech Talk. Please stay tuned. This is the National News. We'll be right back. Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Dioria, and this is Sunday, October 12, 2014. This is IMI's Tech Talk, and uh, we're talking to uh, Joe Gurn about improving government through technology and the web, and I got yelled at by my producer because I forgot to ask Joel to tell us about himself. So, Joel, <laughs> okay. uh, tell us about uh, what you're doing at NYU, and uh, then we'll get back to the interview. Yeah, sure. I'll be happy to. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about my background. So I'm I'm really interested in this whole question of how information and data can uh, be helpful to not just society as a whole, but like actual individual people. And my background is um, I spent uh, a lot of time. I was at Consumer Reports for a long time. I was the editorial director there and then executive vice president. So I worked on a lot of uh, those questions of how do you get information that's actually going to be helpful to people and making all those choices. And uh, then I was in government for a while. I was head of the Consumer Bureau for the Federal Communications Commission, got interested in the whole government aspect of that. And um, out, out of that, I've now ended up, uh, I wrote a book called Open Data Now that talks about this whole phenomenon. And I'm now working at an organization called the Governance Lab or the Gov Lab at uh, NYU at the Metrotech Center where we're studying a lot of different ways that technology can help make government more effective and help uh, help really uh, strengthen the connection between government and the rest of us. Well, that's real interesting because during the break, uh, Joel and I were talking about uh, 
how we're both in uh, MetroTech in Brooklyn, New York, which is a bunch of buildings doing a lot of different technology. And now he mentions that he was with Consumer Reports for a while, and believe it or not, that was one of the buildings we built also, Joel. So Seriously? That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, you did a good job. It was a great building. Yeah. They helped move it out of Mount Vernon into Yonkers. Yeah, you know, I actually started work there it was quite a while ago, it was like 1990 or something, but I started work there two weeks after everybody moved into the new building, and um, I, I appreciated your work. i got to say, it was much better than the old building. Um, it's funny, and this is going to sound like a family show now, but uh, Andy Farber was a guy that worked for me. I still think he's working for a consumer. Yeah, I think he is. It's amazing. Anyway, so small, anyway, small world. Small world. Well, yep. Before the break, we were talking about uh, the Big App competition, and um, you're giving us some examples of, of uh, the type of apps that have come up there. Um, what happens? I mean, if you if you win the Big Apps, do you just get you know uh, something to put on your website that you won it, or is there some entrepreneurial assistance that they give you as a you know, to help you start up with that app, or is the city? Uh, they they do have uh, prizes of uh, several thousand dollars that they give to some of the winners. Um, it's also, you know, I think it's a it's a place that uh, a lot of potential investors go to uh, to see what's coming up and to see what they might want to uh, put some money into. So it's uh, you know, and it's it's also the competition itself is a lot of fun. I think it's a chance to meet a lot of other people who are in New York who are experimenting with some of the city's data. And, you know, uh, New York has really been a uh, one of the national leaders in figuring out how to uh, help get data out there to um, for people to start playing with. So, um, no, it's a great program and uh, one that I'm pretty sure they're going to keep doing every year. So where do you see this all headed? Um, I gather open data is going to get more open and more data is going to become available. Um, what's the future? Well, you know, the future, um, there's actually a lot of different uh, pieces to it. And, uh, you know, I think if we look, if, if, if you think about, you know, sort of 10 years from now, we probably won't even be talking about open data because it's all just going to be out there anyway. It won't be like, you know, some special uh, thing. It'll just be the way government does its business and the rest of us, uh, you know, just part of what we expect. But you're going to see a lot of changes in all sorts of areas. I mean, you can start with healthcare, which is, I think, going to be one of the most uh, really, really major areas to change. I mean, if you think about it now, most people pick a doctor pretty much because a friend or a family member knows somebody who seems to be pretty good. Most people pick a hospital because that's where their doctor has uh, hospital, uh, you know, privileges. Um, most people sort of don't know what they're paying and they don't know what insurance will or won't cover until after the fact. All this stuff is going to change. I mean, it's going to be much, much easier for you to find a doctor who's really good, a hospital that's really safe, figure out how, uh, what is going to be the best match for your insurance, what you should expect to pay, what's a fair payment. And even more than so that's one level, but even deeper than that, um, we're looking at ways to put together data. I mean, what if you could, for example, take all the information about everybody who's been treated for diabetes in the country and you could figure out what kinds of treatments, what kinds of pills were most effective 
for men versus women, for people, you know, who are 45 to 50 versus 55 to 60, for people with a certain genetic makeup, for, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're, people talk now a lot about the era of personalized medicine and the idea that we're going to be able to actually really tailor what we do medically to individual needs rather than just take a pill and let me know what happens. So that's potentially, you know, a really, really different way of approaching medicine, and you add to that things like uh, Watson, you know, the computer that won Jeopardy uh, a couple of years ago. The IBM people who developed that, they're now trying to take that computing power and that kind of artificial intelligence and apply it to medicine and see whether your computer in some ways can be a better doctor than your doctor is. So that's just, you know, kind of a sample of the kinds of things that can happen in healthcare and medicine that are just going to be profound, profound changes. And you're seeing similar kinds of things in areas like energy, education, finance, uh, really across the board. Joel, do you see a downside to this with all this information out there and people, let's just stay on the, the health care for, for a few minutes. Um, you know, you sort of see it now where people are going out there and self-diagnosing themselves yeah. with, uh, you know, all the med sites out there. Do you, do you see this being uh, more controlled or is it just, uh, you know, see what's out there and uh, and try it, or the application is going to be more focused? I think it's it's going to be focused, and, you know, I think this whole sort of question about people self-diagnosing and stuff like that, I think, you're, I think we're going to find sort of like the right balance. So the way people talk about it, even when they talk about something like Watson or, you know, these supercomputers, they're not talking about it as like a computer is going to replace your doctor. It's more like the computer is going to become you know, uh, an incredible tool for your doctor to use. So all this information, it's not going to be like I read about it on the web and I tell my doctor and, you know, I have to argue with him or her. It's more like it becomes kind of a common tool for you and your doctor to use together. I mean, you think, you know, look, think about the way we all use uh, our laptops now and the way we use the web and email and, you know, Facebook and Twitter and everything else. Those are all tools. You know, they haven't taken over what we do as people. They're just ways to help us do what we do as people in some new ways. So the idea for medicine is that all this information, all this data, all this computing power, it helps your doctor make a better diagnosis, but you still need to work with your doctor to think through the implications, to talk about what's right for you, and to have that kind of human interaction that really helps you make the right decisions. So what are some... What do you feel the um, uh, with all this technology um, bridging the gap between government services and the people? You've mentioned a lot of great examples of how this is going to work, and do you think government is going to try to use this more to have, for outreach to to the public and make their lives a lot easier? Um, because a lot of what government does, I mean, look in New York City with 311, they get millions of calls uh, asking for information. I mean, is this something that this open data uh, will help them as well running the government? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question, and I think you are going to see that. I mean, some cities have experimented with 311 in a way that it doesn't just give out information, but it really helps the city kind of develop an up-to-the-minute map of, you know, where the potholes are, where the rotting trees are, 
so that they can really direct their services very efficiently. You're also seeing a couple of companies that are really springing up as kind of intermediaries between city government and people so that they can help people find city services that they may not know are out there. And, uh, you know, whether it's healthcare services or welfare services or other kinds of things, uh, helping people connect in that kind of way can be incredibly important, and it can really ensure that city services are much, much better used than they might be today. Okay, we're going we're gonna to take a break. Um, we're going to continue talking about uh, open data and uh, have a question about open data and big data. We're talking to Joe Gurren about uh, improving government through technology. Tom DiOrio on IMI's Tech Talk. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after this message. Nice Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Diori. It's the 12th of October 2014. And our show today is talking about improving government through technology and the web. And we're talking to uh, Joel Gurren from NYU. And uh, one of the questions I, I meant to ask you um, is we've done a number of shows about big data. Is that different than open data? Yeah, it is, although they definitely overlap. So, you know, you can think about big data as, I mean, not to sound too dumb about it, but just like really, really big data. You know, they talk about, uh, people who talk about it define it by things like volume. They have all these Vs, like volume and velocity, like how big is it, how rapidly is it changing. And I, you can kind of think of it as data that's so big and so complex that it's sort of at our very, the very limits of our ability to analyze it. Um, on the other hand, open data, you know, can be small. It can be like a city budget. It can be... You know, it doesn't have to be voluminous, but what's really important about it is that it's open for anybody to see, anybody can use it, anybody can reuse it, anybody can republish it in any form. And when you look at stuff that's open in that way, it really does kind of transform the possibilities of what you can do with data. Some of the most powerful stuff is both big and open. So, for example you know, data from weather satellites. I mean, it's just like, I don't know how many data points in there, probably billions. And if you can figure out how to analyze that stuff and it is all open for public use, you can really create um, amazing things. I mean, one company called the Climate Corporation has done such an in-depth and practical analysis of uh, weather data that uh, they were just sold to Monsanto for a billion dollars. I mean, they, they've made a very, very successful business out of that. And you see people starting to do that. Oh, it certainly is very successful. Yeah. Uh, um, what are some of the resources that uh, people can use to learn about open data? What's the, the best way to, to go about doing that? Well, there's several. I mean, I do have a book called Open Data Now, uh, which um, I, I don't hesitate to recommend to people. But I also have a website called uh, opendatanow.com, and that's Open Data Now is one word. And if you go there, you'll see a lot of the stuff that uh, that I've been working on and uh, that others have been working on as well. I do a lot of blogging about work in this area. Um, so I would hope that's a pretty good resource. Um, you can also uh, look at uh, the GovLab where I work at NYU. Uh, the, um, the website there is thegovlab, uh, again, one word, .org. So just go to thegovlab.org. And um, you'll see a lot of the interesting work we're doing. A lot of it relates to open data. 
Uh, a lot of it uh, includes a study that I run there called the Open Data 500, where we have found 500 different companies that use open government data in really important ways, and we're studying those as well. So, um, And then there's uh, places the Open Knowledge Foundation has been working on these issues for a long time. And if you're really interested in how open data helps us understand what government is doing and how it all works, um, the uh, Sunlight Foundation, uh, which is down in D.C., uh, does a lot of work on government transparency and really figuring out what government t- what data tells us about uh, government operations. Uh, tell us the name of your book again, and is that something we can get on Amazon, or what's the best yeah, way? Yeah, it's, it's called Open Data Now. Uh, it's published by McGraw-Hill, um, and it's available on Amazon either um, in hardcover or uh, electronically. And did you, did you uh, tell us... Uh, your blog or your email or how they can get in touch with you? Just yeah, the, the easiest way to get in touch with me, uh, so it's Joel Gurin, and if you just do J-O-E-L dot G-U-R-I-N, Joel dot Gurin at uh, Gmail, that's probably the easiest way to reach me. Okay, so you were telling us, uh, hopefully you got in um, how our listeners uh, can get in touch with you, and uh, we've, got, we've got time left, so maybe... Uh, we can go back and just talk about some of the other um, innovative ways that that either what you're doing at NYU or what you saw at Big Apps, uh, just to give our listeners a little bit better feel for what's going on out there. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about the NYU work because that really is beyond some of the open data, although that's a big part of it. So what we're what we're looking at at NYU, at the Gov Lab or the Governance Lab, is um, a number of different ways that technology can uh, improve the way government works and the way it communicates with citizens. So open data is all about the government getting information out there to people. Um, but, uh, you know, there's also a lot of ways that technology can help get advice into government leaders. So we're looking at uh, ways, I don't know if you think about, like crowdsourcing, which is, you know, a way to get all kinds of input from people uh, all over the country or all over the world into important decisions, Uh, kinds of things like the uh, petition site that the White House ran uh, for a while. We we sort of get interested in whether that whole website where people could petition for different kinds of things, we get interested in how well that sort of thing works and under what conditions does it work better or not so well. Um, we're doing projects with a number of other countries now. We just did a big one with the government of Mexico where we're looking at how government data is used in their country. And we also do uh, roundtables with federal agencies. We just did like a big uh, project with the Department of Commerce where we got all these people who use Department of Commerce data together with the people who actually run things like the Census Bureau or the Weather Service and really figure out how they can make their work more useful to the people who need to use it. So there's a lot of different kinds of things going on that all revolve around, you know, these big questions of how do you connect people in government and how do you make the whole system work better. So it sounds like this is a new, um, I don't want to say adventure, but a new program for NYU. This hasn't been around that long, has it? Yeah, this has been about two years. And, um, 
It's uh, now housed at uh, NYU Poly in the Metro Tech Center uh, in Brooklyn, um, and it is it is a pretty new venture, but I think a very exciting one. And uh, we've had a lot of support from NYU uh, leadership to to do this. Uh, it's run by Beth Novak, who who is a uh, the Jacob Javits uh, visiting professor at NYU, and um, it's uh, I think all around an experiment that people are very excited about and that's really growing. We have funding both from the MacArthur and Knight Foundations and others as well. Um, it, so we're we're optimistic that we can really get a lot done and really help uh, change the way some things are done with government. Well, Joel, thanks a lot for uh, taking the time to be with us. I really appreciate it and apologize for that little technology no glitch. And I'll look for you around MetroTech. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much. Next week we're going to be live from our New York offices with a week in review, and Sean Abramson is going to be discussing investing in startups to improve cities. So that could follow right along with this show. Uh, I want to thank Terry Giorgi, Vice President, Dave Brandon, Dan Diori, and Jose Batista for the week in review. Terry Renz, our producer, Matt Campagni is our executive producer, and without the help of Norm and the KFNX AM 1100, our production department, you wouldn't have heard a word we said, so thanks to Norm. Uh, thanks again for listening, and please don't forget to tune into Tech Talk next week at 6 p.m. in New York on KFNX AM 1100. Remember to send us your suggestions for future shows or ask us any questions on any topics by sending an email to techtalk at imi-us.com. Enjoy the rest of your Columbus Day weekend. Have a great week, and thanks again for listening. 